Lights. Camera. Cinemagic. Cinemagic. Uh, all right, you were still slow there. And no, we're keeping this recording. You were still slow. <laughs> I want it known for everyone. <laughs> you were slow. And it wasn't me. Roll the intro. Roll it. <laughs> All right. All right. I still love that intro. I think it was great. And thank you all there. Um, we're still getting the first part down because Rick, my co-host, is so slow over here. Um, can't get the timing down. See, what the, what the problem is, is Jonathan, because he lives in the past, and I do mean he lives three hours, uh, you know, a different time zone behind me. He's living in the past. So therefore, all the things from future to past or future past, you know, little nod to everything we're talking about today, doesn't get to Jonathan in time. And therefore, it completely destroys the world of introductions. Not the world itself, but the world of introductions. So that's all I have to say about that. Consider me your Xavier, if you will. All right. Well, the blast from the past, Jonathan was here with our weekly episode of Cinemagic. And that, of course, was my co-host, Rick Acevedo, the man in the future who has not learned from his past, which is me, to get our timing right. So. <laughs> oh, I can be your cable all day long. <laughs> so if you have not picked up from all the puns, and if you're watching exactly. this on our visual medium, mm -hmm. uh, my T-shirt, we are talking about... Uh, WandaVision, right? Marvel stuff. Whoop. Woo! It's, it's big, big out. But we're and talking and about and WandaVision. And 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 wait, wrong, wrong show. <laughs> well, she is a mutant. Well, not in the MCU. But she is a mutant, so that's appropriate. So that's that an appropriate thing. Uh, <laughs> so uh, welcome all for our second episode of Cinema Magic. We're so glad to have everyone here. Uh, we got some great comments from last week, and we thank everyone who really listened, uh, especially all the way through. Almost all of you listened all the way through. That was awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I hope we're just as entertaining this week. Every week. Right, right. Every, 100% yeah. every week. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, that, yep, that's what you can get from us, all that great discussion that we had from last week. Uh, but we're going to change it a little bit. And this week, like we said, we're talking about a WandaVision. Since there's no big, good Marvel movies or anything to talk about, no. but we still want to talk about them, we decided let's talk about WandaVision this week. Absolutely. Um, yep. One of the things that really stands out to me about WandaVision is the fact that it really plays on something that Marvel does very well, which is subtlety. It does not feel, and, and even now, and, I, and, I, and I've seen five episodes all the way through, and, and you were right, it's actually nine episodes. I thought it was actually six, but it's nine episodes through, I believe, March the 5th. Um, the one thing that I love about WandaVision is the fact that it really... It has a great deal of subtlety. It doesn't play to the typical superhero expectation of there's got to be an explosion somewhere. There's got to be a bad guy somewhere. It's it's a really good way to take a very complex story and tell it in a, in a very subtle fashion where you actually had a lot of people guessing, and I don't know if this happened to you too, but a lot of people that I would talk to about the, the show would, would ask, wait a minute, is this a sitcom? Like, what's going on here? And I, you know, me and my son figured out right away that it wasn't a sitcom because there were a few subtle details early on that 
made us understand that this was something that was hitting us at a at a lot deeper subject matter which marvel seems to do and and it's something that they have been doing it seems like forever and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on but that's the the, the thing that really sticks out to me about that particular show what about yeah, you yeah. jonathan what are some of the things that that stick out to you about this show in particular yeah and so i I overall really like the subversion of expectation that WandaVision really yeah, brought right. to the table. Uh, in those first couple of episodes, and we're going to break them down, mm -hmm. I, I, I really, really enjoyed. So I want to say this for everyone who's listening, and I know we got new listeners probably listening today, but if you have not seen WandaVision, probably want to watch WandaVision and then listen to this podcast because we're going to spoil it. Uh, I don't think there's any good way to talk about this without talking about it and the spoilers and the things that have happened so you we're spoiling you it you can't dance around Spoiler. it or you can't dance around it sorry it's a review so technically that's <laughs> what you have to do here you know yeah so we <laughs> we're just gonna do that spoilers spoiler 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 so this is your this is your warning for spoilers with that said um i loved love love the subversion of expectations absolutely i did not like it when it went back to being an mcu show uh that's what i'm actually gonna say i loved wandavision when it's just a sitcom i don't like it when it's part of the mcu and i know that seems weird episode four ruined the show for me was it episode four episode episode four yes episode, episode four, four is the yeah. one that ruined the show for me really when they went back outside showed us nothing Besides that, I actually love, even episode five, I love when they're still back in the 80s sitcom and just what's happening in the sitcom world. It is amazing. I love that subversion. Mm. Try to bring in the MCU stuff, I could I could literally do without it. Any, I, I anything, without it. anything, anything, here's the thing that, that really sticks out to me. If you're a lover of television history and old shows and everything, you would recognize right away <laughs> the iconic nature of each set like when they mm -hmm. start it's the set for the dick van dyke show almost exactly the same set as the dick van dyke show and then as it moves forward and you know it's still a dick van dyke show then all of a sudden it's bewitched then all of a sudden it's the brady bunch and it and it just sort mm -hmm. of changes and you know that essentially the, the thing that you're thinking about is either they've been kidnapped because it I didn't think of vision as having for some reason I've, I've forgotten the vision had actually been you know killed by Thanos and if you haven't watched that film then I'm sorry I just ruined that also for you um, so I thought vision had been brought back as a result of, of the whole blip thing. For some reason, I just didn't connect those two things right away. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe they've been kidnapped. Maybe they're somewhere I, in outer space. Like, that's what I was I, thinking. I, I want to say with you, it did. It took me to like the third episode, fourth episode to remind myself that, oh, yeah, Vision didn't come back. Because I just assumed everyone was back after the blip. And I it took me a while to remember Vision wasn't one of them. Exactly. But the one, the one question that... that you and I, you, you would ask yourself is how, because vision not being of nature, you know, not being a, a living organism, technically not being a living organism, and I, I don't know how you would break that down, if, you know, he couldn't have ever blipped, obviously. So if you didn't think back to the movies, you couldn't connect those two things right away. 
So then at that point, it gets into a, a little bit of a deeper conversation. And it gets into a deeper conversation about, and, and they did mention this in last week's episode, when they were going back and forth to really tell the story. It gets into a conversation about grieving. Mm-hmm. And that's when it really takes a dark, dark turn. It takes a, it, you know, it takes that dark turn into conversations about grieving and and mental health and things like that that you don't often expect from comic books. You don't. It, it's not that they weren't there, but stuff like that you didn't often see in 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 comic books, or it didn't really make the the front page. Of, you know when I was a kid like if uh, and, and I mean there were some really uh, in comic books there were some really deep subjects that were tackled like AIDS and drugs and things like that but it just wasn't that often so that w- when you see it in a far stronger medium it becomes really just insanely impressive in, in terms yeah. of the story now now we're just t- we're talking about that story you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and the only other show that I remember Marvel doing that with was um, Legion, mm-hmm. you know, being a, a show about basically dealing with a superpowered individual that has mental health issue or post-traumatic stress disorder. Like in this case, it seems like that's what's going on with, uh, with Wanda. It looks like she has some serious PTSD for everything that she's lost. So... To me, that's those are things that really stand out. But again, they're presented very subtly. They only use the word grieving once in the show. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah, I think you're right. But you know that everything is just basically on on that. It's it's on that. It's it's that PTSD for having lost someone that you love. It's it's that grieving, you know, that really I don't know, man, it just stands out to me. I think it's a great and, way of storytelling. No, and I agree. And, and I'm glad that you brought up Legion, actually. Uh, I it, it does remind me when we're not with the MCU stuff, when we're just in the sitcom and going through what Wanda's going through and all the weirdness and trippiness, it does remind me of a lot of Legion, that they did take that model from Legion and put it in there. Because Legion, with its whole 70s Art Deco vibe, <laughs> you know, really, that they had in Legion. And the, and the random dance numbers. The random that you remember that yes yep and so all that was really great to make you feel like you're in another time but also subverting what's real not real all at the same time within um david's head so legion such a great show and for all our listeners out there if you have not seen it and i know we have international legion uh, listeners as well i'm trying to remember what it is internationally but uh fx wherever you can find fx shows <laughs> you should watch it uh here in the states it's on hulu uh, definitely, if you've not seen Legion, it's three seasons, I believe. It's a phenomenal. It's great. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Great. Uh, I, I think it also does a little better dealing with the mental issues and also looking at the mystery a little better than Legion than it does in WandaVision. Uh, so that's why I say Legion, Legion, love it. Because WandaVision, I think it's mystery, which was a non-mystery, and it's not really the way mystery stories handle mysteries that it kind of fails in the whole mystery aspect so i i hate one division's mystery aspect because none of it's a mystery they just info dump you the next one <laughs> instead of having any actual mystery involved yeah it's so i really like the 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 exploration of grief and what she's going through and how that grief manifests to even hurt others love that beautiful side of one division i i really honestly love that part i, I don't know if you noticed 
and this is the one thing that I did notice uh, when they bring back her brother um, in episode five, Pietro. This is the Pietro that was featured in the X Men movies, not the Pietro that was killed in, uh, in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Which I think is kind of an interesting story. And I, I mean, I don't know if that was by design or if that's just to try to mess with your head a little bit and question uh, how is this going to work? Because essentially this Pietro was an, featured as an American kid living in his basement playing video games while the other one is featured as a, as a foreign kid who's one his brother. So... It'll be interesting to see how that story plays out. I'm particularly interested in that storyline. Uh, for one, because that was an entertaining version of Pietro. Like, I, I really mm -hmm. thought that dude was really entertaining and did a great job not making you want to just break down because the guy's getting killed or something's happening terribly. You know, you know this guy's the character that you cheer on not to have something negative happen to him. So it'd be interesting to see how this sort of works out. Like I'm looking yeah. forward to that, to, to how they're playing. Because the, the WandaVision story, we all know it. And we all mm -hmm. can, can have an idea of how it's going to work out and, and, and what the ultimate answer is going to be. We can all have guesses about that. But this is that one wild card that I really like. I, 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 I get So I know we're not talking about Fox and the X-Men movies at all. But I do have to say one thing I'm going to credit Fox for, especially in their uh, in their first class, the kind of old one, first class timeline, mm -hmm. right? Days of Future Past, old class timeline. Their casting, spot on. Right? So Evan Peters does a great job as Quicksilver. Honestly, I, I have no problem with most of the casting that they did there. Uh, so I'm excited to have him in. Yeah, um, not, not that our Quicksilver MCU was a bad Quicksilver either. Just no. Fox was on the money with their X-Men casting. They just did such a good job with the casting. Uh, and now with that, we hope with the story uh, <laughs> that Disney can bring and Marvel and then Kevin Feige, we can get that casting and that good story, put that together and have the excellence that we've always wanted out of the X-Men. So I'm also excited to see what they're going to do. He definitely does not fit in. Like Fox characters, honestly, do not fit in with MCU characters. Uh, even when he came in and how how he was talking, like, laid back and everything. It was such a culture shock to even what was happening in the MCU. Like, even what was happening in WandaVision, from the way um, Kat Dennings, everybody else was playing the characters and how serious they were, you all of a sudden had this just guy come in and go, like, <laughs> Can I get a squeeze from my long-lost sister? It was like... I mean, it, but it left you. It is that one, and that's what I what I love about television, and that's what I always loved about television, especially or streaming, whatever you want to call it. But just in general, that one moment where you're left speechless because you don't know what to make of it. Mm -hmm. When you're like, wait, she said, and 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 here's the lead up. This is all like a two minute moment, really, at at best. Mm -hmm. She says, mm -hmm. you know, the door rings. Who is it? Vision, assuming that she's bringing, forcing someone to know there. She's like, I didn't do that. All right. So they're already accepting what's going on there. And then all of a sudden, it's, we're going to call him cool Pietro. I, I, I'd like to call him that. Not that the other one wasn't cool, but I'm just saying oh. this was cool Pietro for me. It's just a lot. And of I think, yeah. And I love it because 
Pietro's very much of the 80s, 90s feel of the old X, of the Fox Marvel X-Men. And we know we're moving into the 80s, 90s decade in WandaVision. So it makes sense to have that Pietro rather than the Pietro that we know, now, right? Now all, makes... you need, now all you need is a stacked up Magneto with the really cool, like, the really cool, like, shiny suit and with the, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so I and so I really I really love I really love the fact that they even brought that to match the decades they're talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I really love that. I really love that part. So uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm glad they brought cool cool Pietro in, right? Yeah, I'm, glad. It, I'm actually glad that you touched on on what Fox used to do with the cartoons. Um, one of the things that I really and watching the cartoons back, these are I'm talking about. Spider-Man, I'm talking about X-Men, specifically X-Men, uh, the one that ran from the 92 to 97. Yeah, 90s version X-Men. You know, if you watched the stuff that they used to produce, which seemed like they used to produce it in bulk, Spider-Man and his amazing friends and all that stuff, that was very kid-oriented shows. Even the X-Men. Mm -hmm. You see X-Men now, if you were watching it as a kid, which I know you and I both were, you see X-Men now, that show, and you think, man, this still holds up. And then you discover what you didn't know as a kid, which is, this is insanely dark in very subtle ways. Like, this isn't Saturday morning fair. Like, every, every subject that was being touched on here, whether it was some manner of holocaust, mutant holocaust discrimination or everything this was tackling every subject in ways that we weren't as kids we weren't really thinking about that much but as adults and and looking back we look at him it's like no wonder this holds up man this is some seriously powerful stuff you mm -hmm. know and i think one division kind of upholds that tradition which i think Marvel as a whole does a great job of doing, and, and I would say, you know, some people might disagree with me on this, but I think that they do a better job of doing that than in some, in some cases than DC does, if, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, I think, and, and I think that's why, and DC has a rabid, passionate fan base, right? <laughs> so I don't take it through. No that. one's saying but anything Marvel, negative. Not saying anything negative. Exactly. Uh, but... I do think Marvel is a little better of balancing those two, right? Yeah. And I do think in all their movies, they're better. So to take it back to WandaVision, <laughs> I don't know they balance it as well in WandaVision, honestly. I think the Wanda, the Wanda stuff in the actual TV show is great. I really think the sword stuff, the outside stuff, if you cut a lot of that down, the show becomes infinitely better. I think you just cut a lot of that down. And I love Randall Parks. I really do. Randall Parks is killing it. I love him. Jimmy Woo, the agent. Mm -hmm. I love him. I love Monica Rebeau. Those characters are great. I would personally want an X-Files spinoff with them just going around doing that type of stuff. But <laughs> I've got a question for but you. But I don't think it's me. I've got a quick question for you because you mentioned uh, Monica Rambeau. Uh, did you notice uh, at one point when they brought up the name of Captain Marvel and she just seemed to... There were, there's, there seemed to be like a very specific story off of that moment that's going to be told at some point because she nearly cringed when she heard the name. 
And that's what I mean about larger MCU stuff. Because the more they keep name dropping people, the more I have to say, yeah, why isn't Captain Marvel just handling this? Why isn't Doctor Strange just handling this? Why isn't Bruce Banner called? Why isn't? You know, you have to keep asking these questions instead of a self-contained narrative that we have to keep trying to have excuses or fit other people in. It's like, ugh, can we just have Wanda go through her things Sword can be a little part, like literally, if we cut out all of the parts from Sword (laughs) and only stick in, I think it becomes better with people intruding on her as she's trying to heal. And we just see it from that perspective. I think it's a stronger show. I I really think that stuff takes away from the show. I totally understand your point. But I think that the reason why they're doing that would have to be, and this is just my opinion, obviously, I think it's because they're trying... WandaVision is essentially the beginning of, of uh, Phase 4. You know, Phase 3 was really just 11 films, and occasionally stuff from the films was mentioned in um, in shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff like that. So, Because they were... They really started by saying it's all connected. Mm-hmm. And so even in the shows that were in Netflix, which have since been canceled, Daredevil, Iron Fist, and um, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones... They would mention the Battle of New York and stuff like that, and that whole it's all connected thing would would sort of play a part in everything. So now they're essentially trying to use this as a sort of connecting point and build that connective tissue, which you got to be careful not to overdo that because, again, you're going to have people that are a more rabid fan base really going in depth into into uh, source material and why isn't this being brought up and and you know why why isn't this happening why why aren't the avengers coming in or the avengers that are remaining coming in and and trying to stop her and have a conversation with her because they're friends mm-hmm. why didn't do why didn't they do something nick fury's still alive surely he knows about this so why isn't samuel l jackson popping up from outer space because mm-hmm. he's there somewhere, is he not? I mean, we saw that, right? Mm-hmm. So, yep, it's one of those situations that, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, don't name drop to the point where you're going to have people guessing on the most basic of things, and that and that might actually help that portion of the storyline, because you do have a lot of fun characters in that storyline. Like, I love, I love um, Monica. Mm-hmm. And you know it would be really cool if they started building her up as the as the future Captain Marvel because she is the future Captain Marvel. That's a fact. That's not something that yeah. You know, if you know your comics and everything, you know that's a fact. So it'd be really cool, you know, that they did that, but with more subtlety and and let those characters just keep evolving. Because I love Monica's relationship with Wanda. Mm-hmm. Like Wanda clearly didn't want to hurt her when she put her back. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they have certain characters that are just really freaking annoying. Like I'm the I'm the guy. I forget what his name is. I'm the guy here who, you know, fire the missile. It's like, really, you have a missile and a drone. I mean, it's not a yeah. not a gigantic drone, bro. It's that like, where's the missile? I didn't see it. And the, it, the so so parts like that really kind of kind of do get a little bit annoying. I think if if they went the more subtle route that they did in the beginning where you're wondering, you're seeing the sword, the little sword helicopter that fell 
the beekeeper, stuff like that, it leaves you in, in greater suspense. Mm-hmm. You know, and at, and at this point, one of the things that really, I kind of find this annoying now, because they were doing these commercials for Strucker and, and Hydra and all oh, yeah. this stuff in the show. Mm-hmm. I was going in that direction. Like, if you're going to have one final battle, because of how you saw the previews and, and Wanda was actually going to fight that battle alongside Vision, and they managed to explain how Vision comes back to life, that was something that was a lot more interesting to me as a possibility. Now, mm. that's just me. If, if you're going to have that, because you're, you're already giving me that. I'm, I'm kind of getting like, oh, you're talking about Hydra stuff. That's cool. That, that means that Hydra's still alive, right? So we're going to fight Hydra again. Is that what's going on? And it's like, no, no, it's not really. It's just those are my commercials because I'm, you know, grieving. Yeah. And I, and I really think, again, you take away that sword aspect, a lot of that gets to breathe. The suspense and the mystery gets to play up. And as a lover of, like, mystery, I talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. Even I saw the Denzel movie things. I love crime, mystery dramas, all those. Those are the movies that I just love, the shows that I love. I eat them up. So when I go to WandaVision, I'm like, yes, I'm ready for this. And to see that subversion, that subversion even of itself of we're still trying to be a mystery show, and I'm like, well... You're not doing any of this classic setups. And I'm not saying it has to follow a classic paradigm, but there's story structure that goes along with even mysteries to make them compelling. And we're missing that because they just info dump it instead of actually suspensefully bringing us along, which I honestly think you could do better if you cut out a lot of that sort of stuff. <laughs> and, and, think, and the thing is... Honestly, this needed to be a movie. I'm going to say this. This needed to be a movie. I think if it was a movie, you would cut off a lot of the fluff and it would work better and flow better. I really think this should have been a movie. I, I think that the only reason why it's not a movie is because maybe there was some doubt as to can... You know, because with, with Iron Man, you had Robert Downey Jr. who was able to carry that franchise. Chris Evans was able to cap- carry Captain America. You know, you had people that were associated with franchises, but then you have to think about... Is it maybe that they don't feel that these two particular characters, as well played as they are, Wanda and Vision, can actually cover a movie? Can they can not cover um, open a movie? Oh. Can can you know? And at that point, you you're thinking, perhaps it was um, a commercial decision that led to that. Mm-hmm. And you know, also it seems like from a budgeting perspective, this is a show that roughly cut about cost about 17 million dollars per episode so the assumption is we get more material out of the way we have a better introduction and idea of everything that's sort of going to be playing out as we go along in phase four phase four might actually be longer there's a lot of television that's coming out through phase four and you know there are certain films that are going to come out but maybe they don't have the same amount of confidence because, for example, how are you going to do Black Panther without Chadwick Boseman? Like, how, are people going to accept anyone other than Chadwick Boseman playing a character? Because you're mm-hmm. not replacing someone that left the character. You're trying to replace someone that died and basically made that character his own. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a big consideration. So you have to think, okay, if this is going to be our starting point, let's 
do it in a way where it won't cost as much and we'll have two characters that could carry the streaming but might not be able to carry the box office i, I think i i and and i understand where you're coming from but i really think besides elizabeth olsen being a phenomenal actress and when i was young if you told me my favorite olsen would have been elizabeth olsen i'd have thought you were crazy crazy i was a mary kate person all the way but <laughs> i was i was but all about elizabeth ashley <laughs> uh, but Elizabeth Olsen is a phenomenal actress. Paul Bethany has is great. We all know this. Both of them yeah, are phenomenal. Yeah, they're, great. they're great. But I think the the story that they're making here is in, is so good that I really think with a nice cut trailer, the Marvel brand name, they could have commercially put this out. No problem. Uh, no problem. I I honestly think no problem. But I'm with you. I do think it probably was a commercial thing, and. Honestly, I also think they wanted more stuff for Disney Plus and streaming than just movies. They wanted series to combat Netflix's right. all their other series, right? Uh, so I understand out of the things that were coming up in the next phase, this makes sense to be a television show. I get it. Do you think, though, that obviously and they wouldn't have had a way uh, to really predict that the pandemic was coming. I don't know if they started shooting around the time of the pandemic or they stopped shooting around the time of the pandemic and it was already pre-planned. I'm assuming that it was already pre-planned. It has to be because we're early in I believe it was pre-planned. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it was planned during the same time, but also to have this be your lead-off and, and put as much into it precisely because we are in, in the middle of a pandemic and say, okay, well, whatever we're going to shoot, let's let's hold it back. And we talked, and you know, we talked about the pandemic last week and the effects that it's had yep. on on theaters. So it's you know, it's it's an interesting consideration because perhaps they would have released something else along with this, maybe. And I, you know, I'm not certain about that. I know they have two other shows coming. We would already have had Black Widow. By Black this Widow point. is supposed to to have been released by this time, right? Yeah, we would have already had. I want to say, I'm sorry, guys, pandemic, everything gets. <laughs> Pushbacks and it's it blurry. So blurry. Black Widow was coming out. That was that's been pushed back for a while. Yeah, Black Widow was supposed to be kind of the first one to come back. So that should have been out before Wandavision. I want to say the maybe the Eternals. One of them were also, I think, supposed to be out before Wandavision. Right. Uh, I could probably look this up. Uh, <laughs> look it up. Uh, Twenty. What was supposed to come before? A WandaVision. Because I don't think it was WandaVision. I think WandaVision became the, the de facto, so to speak. Yeah. And I know that they're going to be releasing, uh, what is it? So uh, by this point, I was correct. So by this point, we should have had Black Widow and the Eternals coming out sometime in February of this year. So those would have been the two around WandaVision. Right. Originally, pre before the pandemic. Yeah. So that's what we would have had. We probably would have had Black Widow and the Eternals kind of going around here. It, it sort of makes you question, like, are they going to, you know, did, did they have to retouch something on post, if they, especially if they were doing um, after after credit scenes, which that's what they're known for. You know, that's that's what they are. Good question since you brought this up. I hate to cut you off, but quick question. Yeah. Did you watch through the credits of the first WandaVision episode? I did. I did too. I was expecting after credits they have me trained. 
that I was <laughs> watched through was like, oh, just waiting for the after credits. Did I ever tell you what happened uh, during X Men First Class? No. Okay, so we're watching X Men First Class and we're sitting down and waiting and waiting for the after credit scene because it's at, at that point we're all used to it we got the stan lee cameo so we gotta have the after credit scene doesn't happen screen goes off okay this is at the very end and a guy literally says no that's bs i needed that <laughs> I, I was shocked like i thought the guy was kidding but he wasn't he was really it was a bad situation for him. It was like a, a life issue for him that he didn't have an after Because, as you stated, so so very accurately, it's what we expect. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think yep. that's that's why they're not doing it. You know, I find it weird that they're not doing it. <laughs> I do find it weird that they're not doing it. I know it's a television show. But they've got us all trained for after credits that it's so weird that WandaVision has a lack of after credit sequence. But here's a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think phase four movies like the Eternals and everything would have just stopped doing after credit scenes? Is WandaVision like what we would have been used to because they already would have given us some movies and told us don't expect after credit scenes anymore? Or do you think they still very much are gonna do after credit scenes? I want to say that they will do the after credit scenes just because it's a massive bonus. And like you and I were talking about, uh, if we go to a, a movie theater, what's what are two things that we want in the theater? I want previews and popcorn. Yeah, previews and popcorn. Yeah, no soda, like just popcorn. <laughs> um, sorry, everyone, soda's bad for you. Uh, I'm going to say that right now. But... <laughs> Brought to you by Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big ginger ale fan. So. Wait, wait, eh? Wait, are they? A bit of whiskey. Uh, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I, I think I think that they're going to because that's part of it's part of the expectation. So it's part of the appeal. Like it's if you go to a movie and you expect to see the previews. You're almost paying for the previous. If you go to a Marvel movie, a lot of the times, if you weren't paying to see the Stanley cameo, you're definitely paying to see the after uh, credit scene because you want to know what's coming next, who's coming up, how is it going to play out, what are the characters, what's the storyline. You're asking those questions, and I think that's why Marvel succeeded the way they did in terms of the cinematic universe because they did that but it made sense. It wasn't just an after credit scene where some guy says, everybody go home, although that worked in Deadpool, which was an MCU, but still great. Uh, and so I think that they will. Question is, how well will it work? Because there are characters that are well-known. Black Widow is a well-known character, but the Eternals are, are characters that are better known to a more sort of diehard base. So mm-hmm. when you're coming around to that, you have to wonder if that diehard base is going to come out to see the stuff and, and how big is it? Mm. You know, and those, those numbers don't always translate because there have been many comic book movies about characters that were you know, built with diehard bases, but the films didn't do so well. 
So, yeah. Yeah, no, and I understand. But I, uh, just to bring it back, I, I do feel that WandaVision lacking after credit scenes makes me feel that something's lacking. I really do. And I know that's strange, but I'm like, I feel you're missing that stamp. I would prefer some of the sword scenes to be after credit scenes than to be actually in WandaVision. I think that would be a better singer. It would have a better MCU feel of like, what's going on in the background when a sword agent's like, we got to figure out what's in the bubble. Like, you know, you're like, what does this mean? And when we're still just in the vision, that would be great. But we're just kind of, I, I, I feel it's weird. And until you talked about after credit scenes, I didn't even think about it. But I'm like, wow, mind blown. Well, it's missing that. They that had Marvel. something similar to an after credit scene, which is when at the at the end of the first episode, and but it wasn't after credits. Um, you had someone's hand coming out, and you saw the sword logo. And the sword logo was the little thing that you would see throughout, like on the little helicopter, the crash that was in color when everything else was black and white. You would see that, and that really keeps... That's a great hook. Because at that mm -hmm. point, you're wondering... It's almost like watching Inspector Gadget with Dr. Claw. I'm going to get you, Gadget. You know, it's like, is that Dr. Claw? Is that like, is that like the bad guy with the, with the sword logo? Because not everybody knows sword. Everyone mm -hmm. knows S.H.I.E.L.D., but not everyone yep. has a sword. Mm -hmm. So you had to wonder if that what, what was what was going on. You know, like, is it a bad guy? Is this logo bad? What's going on? Like, Because Wanda's good, so that's got to be bad. Mm. So at this point, you're not, you're not allowing me to make a decision about because it's almost like Wanda is being considered a, a bad person, like an you know an anti-hero of sorts, and which in this show right now she is. She but is. I don't. I, don't, I, don't I, I understand. I understand that she is. But honestly, for me, it doesn't a hundred percent fit. You know what I She's mean? She's holding against her will. Uh, yeah. She's I, mind controlling people. Is that not against their will? We're in an age of consent, sir, and that is non-consenting. <laughs> Everyone else is not consenting to be there. That's a problem. But their houses are nice, and, you know, they have food, and, you know, they don't have to go to the bank, and they get they all have jobs, and they get paid. Consent matters. <laughs> okay? Consent matters. I'm going to stay on that. Consent <laughs> matters. She uh, is a villain, period. I, uh, come on, you don't want to say she's a villain she's an avenger she's just a little mixed up right now <laughs> which again Tony Stark is a huge villain and let me i will so i'm honestly gonna say this i had no plans on watching wandavision until this podcast i had no plans of watching <laughs> i've actually not even seen spiderman five far from home i have no interest in seeing further marvel movies right for one reason one reason alone I don't think they're properly dealing with the snap afterwards, and so I've just I've I've, I've not cared. I've let it go. I've just I've personally. Is it, is let it, it go. because they just call it the blip? Yeah, and life goes back to normal, and all the implications. And it's not because I want to write the own story in my head, but I'm, they made this whole shared universe that I poured ten years into, as everybody else did, of watching every movie, obsessing over it, doing all of these great things. And then literally right after we had this culmination and the most, I think the 
these the bravest move Marvel could have ever done with the time skip. And I'm like, you are the bravest company I've ever saw. I don't know if I was in charge, if I would ever have had that time skip, brave enough to do that time skip. And after all that, they kind of just said, okay, now we're just forgetting all about it. Let's just move on. And it's like, oh, so you've, you've just already told me that if I spend another 10 years in this, that it will not matter at the end. Literally, you're just telling this close story. You're doing this and moving on. And I think that is why I'm having the problems with WandaVision, even though I didn't want to watch it. I was watching it for this podcast. I'm loving it. But the larger MCU stuff, I'm like, Ugh, I don't even care about this. Just give me Wanda's story. You've already proven to me that it does not matter what everybody else does. Mm-hmm. They've already proven that to me. The larger universe doesn't matter. So give me the actual good story of Wanda. I don't care. I don't care that uh, Monica has a cop and Captain Marvel and you're just going to tease it out for two more episodes. Just show me Wanda what she's doing. I don't care because all of that's not going to matter. Literally, none of that's going to matter later. So <laughs> I'm already on the team. None of this matters. So you have to prove to me why I should keep watching you. And so WandaVision itself, love it when it's just WandaVision. Hate it when it's larger MCU. And it's missing that after credits thing that made Marvel Marvel. That's my thoughts on WandaVision. Just going to say that in the whole MCU large. I, I think that, you know, and I'm holding out hope for this. Because I, I don't know how you can get a second season out of one division, to be honest. But again, you know, it's not impossible. But I, I, I don't, don't I don't see how you could make it credible. And just this because... is my prediction for everything. None of these shows I think are getting a second season. Like the Winter Soldier and all of them, I really think these are standalone movies that like you said. I don't think that they knew they were going to carry. And since Disney Plus was opening anyway, they're like, let's just put them as series. Um, and I really think they're limited run series. I don't think they're going to do WandaVision again. Uh, if I they don't do think Wanda, so. she's going to be different. I don't think so either, just because, I, like, how do you really... This is not like, like, say, The Mandalorian, where the guy goes on adventures and it's basically Kung Fu, but in Star Wars themes, you know? It... It's a completely different type of situation where you're you're putting it putting it in such a spot where you're giving it a conclusion, but you're essentially saying at some point either Vision's going to be dead or something's going to happen where Wanda's going to come to that realization. Um, let's assume that that's what's going on. Where where do you go from there, and why would you call it WandaVision at that Especially point? Especially when you're a villain. Especially when your hero's a villain. I mean, when she, she she's just a little mixed up. She, she, she just without little, their consent, she's a John, villain. John, she's just a little mixed up, man. I think I think we we gotta hey, hey. bring up another show, Legion. You know who ended up being the villain towards the end? <laughs> the villains are always there. Uh, uh, Wanda is a villain. I just he was I don't not see a villain. Just... He again, he's Charles Xavier's kid. Did not know that. Didn't know how to control the the mojo. Just, they're a little mixed up. That's all. I, I, I just, I don't with see... superpowers. I'm, I, I'm excited to see the end of WandaVision, but I'm with you. I don't know how they do another season. I, I mean, honestly I, just... I don't know. Season. Well, see, when you talk about Winter Soldier, though, and, and Falcon, I think that has the potential. And Hawkeye technically does, too, because these are... Unless you're, unless you're closing off the story to such a degree... Where 
even the title implies one thing and one thing alone and everything that happens is implying a standalone story that's not going to run for X amount of years. I think that's where the other two might might have a different opportunity. But again, think, you know, like you said. I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier, one of the reasons that's a show is definitely um, for China. I'm just going to say this for China. And movie theaters' reluctance to have black leads with major movies, right? I really think putting Falcon as Captain America is on the streaming to get people used to the idea before you give them a movie. I think Anthony Mackie gets a movie after this. After Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think he's on to getting his own movie. I, if it does well, he's on his own movie train. I don't think he's doing another season. I think it's own movie chart. Well, and 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 I mean that would be cool because that's exactly how it was set up at the end anyway. So you have to to have Falcon, you know, take up the mantle at some point because that's exactly the reason why it was done. And to have a hero that's much more vulnerable too, but that can on wits and just physical capacity and intelligence and everything really get out there and be something special that is something that people can get behind because why has Batman been such an enduring superhero? Why do people have a tendency to gear themselves more towards Batman than Superman? There's something special there because mm -hmm. it's like, and man, he, that, that could be you or me mm -hmm. sort of situation. When you suspend your disbelief and you go into all of this, that could be you or me. And that's really cool. And I really like that aspect of that. So if it's for that purpose, then yeah, I think yeah. so. I, yeah. I, I, can understand, I can understand that point. However, Hawkeye, again, different story because Hawkeye, you know, Hawkeye's always been like a big sidekick type hero. I mean, they're, I've, I've, even as a kid, when I would watch cartoons, Hawkeye was usually with some other team like, Iron Man's team in the in the cartoon show or something to that nature, but you didn't really see Hawkeye standing alone too much. So I'm a big fan of Hawkeye and Kate Bishop, who's also called Hawkeye in the comics. Uh, the latest run that came out, not the latest run, but five or six years ago, which I believe the show is being made off of. That was a great run of the Hawkeye comics. Um, as a kid, I, I'm into swords and bows and arrows, so I always had an affinity for Hawkeye <laughs> with the bow. And Green Arrow, so yes, I, I am I am that dorky kid. Uh, <laughs> love the I, Arrow, dude. I, I love Green Arrow. As a kid, I used to read all the comics for for Green Arrow, so I totally understand. Yeah, and I look good in purple, and I like the color purple. So Hawkeye, big fan. Uh, so <laughs> I'm I am excited for Hawkeye, and I do think Hawkeye is also another one where. Like you said, with commercial viability, no, I don't think Hawkeye carries a movie. Jeremy Renner. Mm actor can do great stuff i just don't think the name of hawkeye carries as big of a movie as marvel would want it to because you know when we say big everyone here you got to remember some of these movies literally go as big as a billion dollars <laughs> half, a, uh, half a billion dollars and or more uh that's what disney's expecting from each single one of this so yeah. uh, you know even if the movie did 200 250 million it wouldn't be as good as something that did three, four, five hundred million, a billion dollars, as Captain Marvel did. So we have to, you know, so they're thinking in that term. So I just want to put that out there. When we're saying now open big enough, we're talking about really big numbers. <laughs> we're well, really but, big numbers. but, I mean, 
really just on a, on a, on a quick touch of the numbers, $150 million movie making $250 million is t- technically considered a box office failure. Once mm-hmm. all the all the fees have been taken out, um, now they consider international box office as a part of the take because they have to. It's necessary. You didn't hear that back in 1995. Nope. The international box office. In fact, when you would say we did really well internationally, that's what really the excuse that you would make for when you would be tanking domestically. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that a Hawkeye movie... Honestly, and I could be wrong, but I, I don't think that I, I would get a lot of disagreements in this, and you and I see eye to eye in this for sure. I don't think that a Hawkeye movie has the possibility of making that much money. And you could tell they were trying to build a character toward the end, you know, adding all this darkness. Oh, he's a killer. He's killed Yakuza and stat people, and now he's got a mohawk. And yeah, that was all cool. But it's not going to get me necessarily to go see a Hawkeye movie. Yeah, I, I don't. I think Hawkeye does two hundred fifty to three hundred million dollars, and I don't think that's big enough for 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 Disney right now. So he goes on streaming. Hey, hey, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon, would you see a Hawkeye movie? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's our producer. Um, he's he's not going to see the Hawkeye movie. See, and I would see the Hawkeye. See, I'm the person who would see it, and I still know. Uh, and so I love, I love Hawkeye as a character, but I don't think Hawkeye. And I, and I also think that's also why Falcon goes on streaming first, because I think his movie would still be a success, but maybe 300, 350 million. Still not enough for Disney. Bring him, you know, put him out on streaming, get the content out, then give him a solo movie. I think if the reception of it is great, he gets a solo movie. But I think that's a great way to also assure your business, uh, really build a character and build a strong enough base that would actually support the character because you have enough time in between the show and then shooting the film, between the reception of the show and shooting the film to where you can really build that character up to a degree where you feel comfortable doing that. And that helps not only the character, as a standalone character, it helps the story itself and it helps the actor and, and, and everyone that's that's a part of that. You know, um, and that Yeah, and that's why I think WandaVision doesn't get a second season. I think this I'm putting all of those other evidence in to say I think this is more to here's our smaller characters that we didn't give much screen time to. They haven't had their own solo movies. We don't think they'll make enough money in a solo movie, but we'll give it to you in Disney Plus streaming get you your buzz, build the character's backstory, and now, if it does well enough, pop Wanda in her own movie, right? does well enough, pop Falcon in their own movie. Yeah. Why do more streaming? If now you can make the half a billion dollars, give them a movie, right? That's what they're all going to do. And so I really think that's why the, the ones who are getting shows are the ones that I don't think Disney had enough faith in to do enough money commercially, especially internationally, as we put it, international markets, especially internationally. Because it does matter for those who are not into the movie business uh, a lot, especially for the big studios, international really, really, really matters. Uh, as Rick said, it did not matter a lot in the 90s, but now how something is even going to perform in China matters more sometimes than even how it's going to perform in the US. Uh, that's why sometimes you'll see sequels of movies that you're like, I didn't think that did well here. It may have not, but if it did, 
gangbusters overseas, you're going to see it again. So when when Aquaman came out, and this is shifting to a different universe, but just on the business end real quick, like one of the first articles that I read how was how it did, I think it was $15 million on opening day in China. (laughs) Because those were those were markets that people were paying attention to you know international markets they want to see how this is going to work out is it going to work out to where when we do the sequel it will still you know because they've got to make their money back somehow and Mm -hmm. if you're spending let's say 200 million dollars in the budget you know, you can make your money back licensing, but you want to be able to keep that cash register going. Mm-hmm. And that's why Star Wars was so successful. They could license every character, even people that had inane lines like, beep, boop, beep, boop, like, you know. And, but it's it wasn't just the licensing. They were able to keep the movies working because the story appeased a certain base you know and if you can't do that and if marvel can't do that because they feel you know oh you know how how do we make hawkeye more appealing as a solo character you know because he's always seemingly associated with black widow or captain america or tony stark is he a deep character deep Mm -hmm. enough for that that's and i'm that's yeah, my and question. That, uh, just to take a Star Wars real quick, none of the Star Wars movies have done very well in China, and Disney's still trying to figure that out. Just want that to know. Even though they've all done gangbuster numbers, I mean, every single Star Wars movie is, you know, uh, each yeah. one box office or through the roof, they're still trying to figure out how to make it work in China. So, uh, again, that's how important things are, that it can make a billion dollars, but if internationally it's not hitting where it is, here in Hollywood, other people will literally go, what can we do differently? Uh, just to let everyone know out there how big the foreign market is, uh, especially Massive. if you're Americans. Uh, and my international listeners probably know this, but if you're Americans, you may not know it as much, but international markets really matter. Uh, so you have to take those in consideration. They're not only made for Americans anymore, not even these Marvel shows. They're not only made for Americans anymore. No, and the releases, it's funny because the release dates usually uh, internationally are within a day of when it's released domestically and sometimes ahead of time too. So a lot of times they'll wait to see what the performance is. And it might be beforehand that they release something internationally. And so what they make on the international market helps them get to the break-even point. And then if they happen to make $100 million, in the states that's that gravy that they're dropping and all that you know and it's funny to think that when uh when when we were kids you would get box office results in in uh in the newspaper the sunday newspaper so if a movie made 150 million dollars it was considered a massive hit and now and you know we'll definitely go into this in, in, in more depth later on about the business of film uh, now if a movie makes $150 million if a Marvel movie makes $150 million it's a failure That's 100% it. doesn't matter mm-hmm. how good it is mm-hmm. you know so that's so yep so and that business side just to say back why WandaVision <laughs> is there probably on streaming by the second season 
money. We have to think about the money side. And as filmmakers, you're getting that insight. As filmmakers, we also, we love the stories and everything else, but decisions, we have to look because it's our business, right? <laughs> we look at it and go, okay, that's a certain decision. We can see why that yeah, is. Yeah, you, you, you have to know how to market the art. And I think Marvel does do a great job of that because I'm pretty certain they're going to get their $150 million back. Um, which is what they spent on one division, and it seems like it's what they spent. They're gonna get it back in in the revenues from from the streaming and 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 what have you. I'm sure they figured that part out of it, and whatever they get on top of that, I'm sure will be a, a nice little chunk of change as it usually is. But it's not the same as if it would have gone out on film, and mm-hmm. and that's the thing that. I think that's what keeps WandaVision and, and Falcon and, and all these other shows in Disney, at least for the time being, in the in the streaming service as series. And I'm totally yep. in agreement with you on that. Yeah. And I know we've we've now digressed a lot <laughs> original WandaVision, but we like to also tell you a little insight into the business as well so you can kind of see that. That's the reason we started this podcast, right? Uh, <laughs> so you can question, see question, about, question about WandaVision to you. Who's your favorite character? Uh, Catherine Hahn's character, the um, the neighbor, the neighbor. She's why, just, why is that? She, what's your favorite character? So it's between her and Monica. Those are my two favorite. But I think they're both honestly and Jimmy. I think all oh, okay. So Elizabeth Olsen is my favorite Olsen. Pete Bettany is killing it. No, they're no, both no. killing it in yeah. their characters. They're both killing it in their characters. Amazing. But I think the side characters of WandaVision are 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 amazing there's what's keeping the levity and the story moving forward not getting overly dramatic not getting it wind down they're they're just funniness and the gravitas of bringing the situation like Catherine Hahn plays the crazy neighbor for every decade herself she mm-hmm. plays it how they would have done it in the 50s how they would have done it in the 60s how they would have done it in the 70s but keeping the same person throughout I think she's just she's killing it and I think all the side characters are doing that through an instance of being the crazy wacky neighbors through each decade uh, in the background and their their looks, their emotions, their feelings. I, I love all of them. And Jimmy is the FBI, um, Randall Park, sorry, doing Jimmy, who's the FBI agent. I, I love his character. I just think he's funny. I, I love the, the fact the, that he went from being in, in Ant-Man to being in this. Like, that was just so seamless, it seems like. Yes, him, Kat Dennings, and Monica Rambeau, all three of them, their own show, where she's like the one in charge, sending them out on missions. I'm loving it. Figuring out, like, she's the field agent. Uh, Jimmy backs her up, and Kat Dennings, like, in the office. I would love that show. I would love that. All three of them, I would love I, that I show. think that that'll eventually happen. For me, my favorite character in, in WandaVision would have to be Vision. Because it's clear Vision has, from the very beginning, like, somehow an understanding that just this isn't right. Like, his his whole behavior is this isn't right. Something's got to change. There's just something wrong here. And they've built that out really, really well. And the way he plays it is just amazing. Um, okay. Have you seen uh, Resident Alien? I have not. With, um, oh, I'm going to butcher his name. Sorry, we've been talking for a while. But he played Wash and Firefly. Um, he was the voice of the robot in um, the Star Wars Rogue One, um, where they were going to blow up the planet. Uh, I'm forgetting his name now. I want to. I was going to say Alex Trebek, but that is not That's it. Not it. Uh, 
<laughs> no, everyone, it is not it. I know this, and I know the. I know. I know his name. Uh, I'm looking it up, and I know everyone who's watching this podcast is always going to hate me because they're like Alan Tudyk. There he goes, Alan Tudyk. I was going to say Alan Trebek, and I just couldn't think of Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk, who's a great like voice actor. He does great voices. You haven't seen him of just so many different things. Um, uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah. one. The planet. He played the robot of that one. A lot of people know him for that. Uh, but Alan Tudyk, he's great. In Resident Alien, he plays an alien who's pretending to be a human, and his body work on that is so great. And so I love Paul Bettany. I do. He's doing so great as Vision. But I'm always constantly reminded of Alan Tudyk and how Alan Tudyk just like pushes the boundaries on that. Uh, which is I love Paul Bettany's, but I think Alan Tudyk plays <gasps> that role. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna put out that on there. Uh, and if any, you know what? On Instagram, um, when you go to our production page and see this, please let me know if you agree. Please, please, please let me know if you agree, because I want to just prove that I am 100% right that Alan Tudyk would have killed this. Uh, so that's the only reason I don't pick Paul Bettany, even though he's doing fantastic. I've, at the same time, have been watching Resident Alien with Alan Tudyk doing sort of the same thing, right. trying to pretend to be human, right? <laughs> and, and not, to, when he's not really one, and he's killing it in a sitcom environment. He's just killing it. So, um, so, so to counter that, who's your least favorite character? Oh, um... I get the the leader, the the leader of sword, um, just the um, businessman, shoot drones, whatever. Boring, I, just... I, you know, it's funny. I don't like him either because I mean, I absolutely just despise him because I'm like, this is the quintessential. Just you could have you could have dug a little deeper to build someone a little bit more, you know, with a little more cunning and and a little bit more of a conniver and something to make me not think that in in a real life situation if this is someone that i would know i could just slap him in the face and be like man shut up yeah, yeah i thought in the beginning when he first showed up and goes i'm sorry i got looked over for direct you know like for the director you weren't around you know like i was like oh interesting he's a nice guy but having to deal with this there's going to be this crazy dynamic but then it's just kind of i'm regular military man shoot everything i'm like oh okay you're just i'm a poor man's thunderbolt ross yeah, that's really what it is. So he's my least favorite. So to wrap up, what are your... Uh, let me ask this question for final thoughts. I'm going to switch it right. around. Are you excited for the next couple of episodes? I am because I'm really dying to see what... How they're going to... to Like the Pietro thing, how they're going to play that out. That's... That was enough for me, man. That was my moment. So that's what I'm looking forward to next. And again, I love the show. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a superhero guy. It, it's, it's the way it is. But that particular part of it is really what I'm looking forward to the most. That spot right there. What are you going to do with that? How's that going to play into it? You know, and 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 where are you taking it? That's what I'm looking forward to the most. What about you? So I am looking forward to, I'm hoping now that Priyasha's there, that Vision knows everything that's going on, that we're going to focus more inside the bubble. And I'm very excited for that. I love everything that's happening in that bubble. I love everything. Uh, so I'm excited to see how that looks at the end. I'm really excited to see where they take Wanda. 
how they turn her away and redeem her from being a villain, because I'm sorry, Rick, she is a villain uh, right now. She is a villain. How they redeem her, I'm very excited to see how that works. So uh, that part I'm excited for. I'm honestly not excited for the let's tie in larger MCU stuff. That I could literally not take. Right. I could drop all that. Um, I'm, I'm excited for Wanda's story and how she overcomes her grief and redemption. Uh, I, I will watch the next four. I do not know if I'll watch anything else <laughs> from MCU, but I do know I'll finish watching WandaVision. Popcorn, I, I can't say popcorn watch party, baby. That's what it's all about. Um, oh, man. So, uh, uh, I so as we're wrapping up, any final thoughts about One Division? Yeah, my my final thoughts are this. I think that the one thing that you know, and 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 this is something that I'm just going to throw out there and, and and sort of leave it open ended, obviously because it's it's not happening yet. Is the ending? How 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 do we end this weird sort of superhero Truman show thing we got going on that's what's most interesting to me that's my final thought on on one division and and what what will happen how have they figured that this can come to an end you know should that's, we that's so it. you know what so after one division's final episode we'll do another podcast with our final thoughts with WandaVision. It may not all just be WandaVision, but we'll check in again once it's done. We won't do week by week, but once it's done. Right. You cool with that? Check in again? I'm fine with that. Those are my final thoughts because it's just it's just a little button right now. How will it end? My final thoughts work better as a movie. Uh, <laughs> I really think it worked better as a movie. Uh, <laughs> what what are your final thoughts on movie on um, box office numbers there? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, before we go, just one thing I want to say because uh, you know we're wrapping up now. Uh, for those of you who are going to end up watching this, uh, we're working on getting. We do video record this. If you're listening on Spotify, you're just getting our lovely voices. But soon enough, you'll also be getting to see these podcasts. So rewatch them. You can see what we're wearing and all those great things. Like right now, I'm wearing my lovely Marvel shirt. I'm showing you the camera right now. There's something else you need to mention. It's not Marvel, but I don't care. This, this, we talked about this, Jonathan. We talked about this. Yes. So you owe I it to am... the public. <laughs> I am also. I'm trying to buy my Costas here, a nice shirt, so we can wear them together to talk about uh, some of our next subjects. But um, I wanted to get him a, a, a shirt that was larger and my partner said no because he works out he's in good shape you should get a smaller one and uh let, let me see here rick did, did that fit you the the, the smaller one the, the shirt the, i got you the smaller one yeah man it just it brings out the muscles <laughs> <laughs> so the traps um, holy crap Seeing it, uh, you you don't get to see it because we're we're not wearing it matching because I no, have to get no, it. No, but Jonathan, sizes. no, Jonathan, I'm I'm afraid that you've done this to dissuade from the larger matter which I mentioned, which is the other item of clothing that you're wearing right now. You know, my my pants. Yeah, your pants. I, I, oh I, well. Okay, I wasn't gonna do this, but I'm just gonna do this for all our visual uh, watchers. I got Ninja Turtle pants on. Um, they got all the Ninja Turtles on them. Exactly. And this motion, I realized, could be considered something else. So I'm going to stop doing that. 
Go <laughs> uh, uh, watch the video. <laughs> don't don't forget, forget to, to subscribe, share this, like it, comment on it. Eventually, watch the videos, share those, like them, comment on them. Remember, and if you're commenting, please comment on again if you think Alan Tudyk would have killed it as Vision, um, especially if you're watching Resident Evil. And also comment and if you think Alex Trebek rest his soul would have also killed it as Vision I think he would have done a good job as like older Vision I actually think the director <laughs> one he would have done a great job as the director <laughs> I think Alex Trebek would have been great at just giving out orders and uh, on that note <laughs> on that note alright all right, guys so this is Rick and Jonathan, the end of our Cinemagic Podcast. Thank you again. Like, share, and subscribe. See you next week, where the topic I hand will be... Ah, we God, are not like going to tell you that. You know why? Because we make them fresh, man. These are like baked goods. Fresh. Every week. I was trying to put some suspense in and tell them to yes. listen. Like baked goods. Don't you get happy when instead of the bear claw, you see something else? What's wrong with you, man? Not everybody wants a bear claw every week. Yes, again, you can still find uh, our movies on Tubi as well. Rick, tell them which movies they can find. Uh, they can find Searching for Betty Powley on Tubi and Canelo.tv. And in Canelo.tv, they can also find our other documentary, Boy School, which is a very interesting story. And soon they will be available on Duya's partner platforms and on Alchemy for those of you that are in Europe, meaning the United Kingdom, um, the United Kingdom, Spain, and several other countries in the EU or, you know, United Kingdom, depending yes. on how you feel about the whole Brexit thing. I, I don't want to talk about that. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> We don't talk about that one. All right, guys, watch our movies, like, share, subscribe. Let us know how you like it. You can... Also, come and reach out to us if you want to send us shirts to wear on the podcast. We'll totally promote it uh, over there. So thank you all. Have a great day. See you next week. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.